A sower went out to sow a seed. As he was sowing, some fell along the path that was trampled on, and the birds of the sky ate it up. Other seed fell on the rock, and when it sprang up, it withered since it lacked moisture. Other seed fell among thorns. The thorns sprang up with it and choked it. So the other seed fell on good ground. And when it sprang up, it produced a crop 100 times what was sown. As he said this, he called out, anyone who has ears to hear should listen. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. The seed along the path of those who have heard. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. So they may not believe and be saved. And the seed who wears on the rock are those who when they hear welcome the word with joy having no root. These believe for a while and depart in a time of testing. As for the seed that fell on the thorns, these are the ones who when they have heard go on their way and are choked with worries, riches, and pleasures of life and produce no mature fruit. But the seed in the good ground, these are the ones who having heard the word with an honest and good heart hold on to it and by enduring bear fruit. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time. Father, use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel and the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. And we ask all these things in the name of your son Jesus and for his sake. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. The parable of the sower is one of the most well-known parables in Jesus' ministry. I mean, if we've been in church for any length of time, you have probably heard it preached many times. Unfortunately, as well known as the parable is, it's also probably one of the parables that is most mispreached. It's ironic because this parable is one that actually has an explanation along with it. It tells you what it means. And quite often, preachers preach the parable without paying attention to the explanation that's given. This usually takes the form of a sermon of evangelism of how it should be done. This is how we should do things. But when they examine the parable in its text and the explanation we find here in Luke, we see that it is not about our acts of evangelism. Instead, we find the secret of the kingdom of God. Now, it would be easy to call this the parable of the soils. Most of the time when I'm talking with someone else, that's what I would call it. But let's be mindful of what Jesus says this morning and, and really examine for a moment the sower, the farmer. The first thing we have to realize and, and look at and examine and settle is who is the sower? Now, that's maybe a both-and answer for some people. Some people in contemporary preaching want to say the sower is anyone who's preaching the word of God. Now, while this might be true on some levels, when we sowing seeds, when we preach the word of God, when we, when we live and love and tell people about Jesus, I believe the text points us to something else. Last week, we discussed the purpose of a parable, that it was to reveal truth to those who would hear and to hide truth from those who will not. And when Jesus speaks this parable, he's not talking about some future event. He's not talking about something that's going to happen sometime long out there. When Jesus speaks this parable... He is thinking, wow, this is now. Our first mistake in understanding Jesus' teachings is to believe that they were about a kingdom that was still to come. When Jesus speaks in his thoughts, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, was something being set up. It was a present reality. It was something that was going to happen now as he is speaking, as he is talking. He says when he speaks many times, the kingdom of heaven is like. Not the kingdom of heaven will be like. The kingdom of heaven is like this. It is something that's happening now. So when Jesus speaks, he is speaking of something that is currently happening. Something that is already seen. 
So while this text might point to a sower in our time, let's submit this idea that what Jesus is describing here is him stepping out of heaven. We have to remember something about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven belongs solely to God. We have a tendency to talk about my church, my God, things like that. But the kingdom of heaven is God's. It begins with God. It will have its, it's, it'll have its eternity with God. There is, there is no other way that the kingdom of heaven comes from. And so when we see this, we know that Jesus is the sower. Jesus has come into the world to share the good news with all who will hear. And as he travels, he spreads the seed throughout his field. And his field is the world. Now, it's something that's clear when he says it to those who will hear. But it's hidden to those who will not hear. It's hidden to those who will not listen. Jesus has come to sow the harvest. He's come to plant the seed. He has come to change the world. And in this context, this is the parable of Christ who has come to initiate his kingdom. A sower goes out to sow his seed. Remember, the kingdom of heaven belongs solely to God. When I preach the gospel, I'm not preaching anything that's mine. I preach something that belongs to Jesus. When it says his seed, it points again to the fact that Jesus is the sower because the seed belongs to Jesus. If the seed belongs to Jesus, he is the one who sows it. He is the one who puts it there. We must be careful to remember as we do work and we try to spread the gospel that it begins and ends with Jesus. We're not spreading a religion. We're not spreading rules. We're spreading his seed. We're spreading that which is the word of God. Not simply the Bible, but not the law. Not forcing rules on someone. Not making sure someone does the things they're supposed to do. As Jesus scattered his seed, he was scattering the hope found in his death and resurrection. The word of God in this context is the saving message of Jesus. The seed is the saving message of Jesus. It is that, it is that message that is proclaimed that allows freedom to the captive. That allows a resurrection to those who were dead in their sin. And as he scattered his seed, this wasn't about a get-out-of-hell-free get card. This was about a life-changing relationship with one who would give his life for everyone. Now, here's the secret of the kingdom. He didn't withhold the word from anyone. Now, think about that. Jesus didn't say, well, I'm going to share the gospel with these people. But I'm not going to tell these people. Jesus walked and he told the same gospel message. He told it through parables for a reason. Because some would hear it and some wouldn't. But he still put it out there for everyone to have a chance to hear. It's amazing that he does that. And it's amazing sometimes that we don't. <laughs> he sowed or scattered his seed in every type of soil. He scattered to let them decide what to do. So often we find ourselves struggling with relationships. You ever struggle with relationships? <laughs> relationships are hard sometimes, are they not? And sometimes we find ourselves thinking, well, I, I don't, I can't share that with them. Sometimes we find ourselves so angry we don't want to share that with someone. I'm not going to tell them that. And we don't like to admit that. 
We're not comfortable when we say things like, let's pray for, back in the day, Osama bin Laden. Let's pray for him to know Jesus. For God so loved the world, and he scattered the seed for everyone. He gave it for everyone to have a chance, and it just, it just depends. In this parable, Jesus is informing his disciples of a truth that he is sowing this seed to everyone, and how they react is dependent upon what type of soil they are. That's the heart of the matter here. The four soils are four types of people who are exposed to and react to the gospel message. That's the soils. The soils here are people. They are individuals. And they are different people that are going to hear the message. You know, it's amazing when, when you look. There are people in this world that I will never be able to penetrate their heart with somebody else can. There are people in this world who nobody's ever going to penetrate their heart. That's just the nature of the gospel message. There are four types of toys. There are people, and how we react all depends on who we are. And the first soul he gives is the path. Now, the path of those individuals who, because of the damage of living life, are unable to hear the gospel message. They lived a long, hard life. Every time they turn around, something's falling apart. Every, every time they, they, they try to get the rack together, they fall again. They feel like no one's ever been on their side. They've always been alone. This is just the hardest thing in the world to do. Life is too hard. And the gospel message to them, the damage of living life has hardened them to the point that they can't hear the gospel message. They can't hear what's going on. The path, by definition, is hard and beaten down. And it's not conducive to growth. A path can get that way usually through use and through work. path can be planned. You can put cement over it. You can plan and you can put rock down. You can, you can put a path to wherever you want to go and use road base or anything else. But those paths that you walk on, even in the middle of the woods, if you go on a trail in a state park, the path is usually beaten down because people walk on it. And it's beaten down and there's no, it's hard. It's hard as a rock. The path gets that way because it's made to be that way. Now, there are those, these are those people who say that that Jesus says the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they don't believe. It's those individuals who have hardened themselves against anything that cannot be explained rationally. You ever known that person? They had to have a rational explanation for everything. And it didn't matter what it was, it had to be rational. Well, no matter how big the miracle was, it had to be rational. I knew a guy once, he was kind of semi-related. He, uh, he died. And they took him to the corner. And uh, he was there like two and a half days. Um, the corner pulls him out to get ready to do his autopsy and turned the saw on to cut his head open and he woke up. Um, I can't explain that. I'm not going to try to explain that. But there are some people who would try to find that explanation. I have a friend who was training to be a missionary in Haiti and he saw
saw things. He saw a pregnant mom of twins who had TB, who had been cut open and just left open to die because she had TB and there was no way with their limited medical stuff she was ever going to get better. So they had taken the babies and they had separated them in a room by themselves and she was there laying on the bed, raggedly breathing, fixing to breathe her last and the missionary trainer walked in and got right up on her face and prayed God over her and the next day they're driving through town. When the nurse from the clinic comes running out and stops their truck and she says, I don't know how to explain it, but that woman from yesterday, she got up this morning, her, her incision was completely healed up and she took her babies and went home. I, I don't have an explanation for that. And sometimes you can't explain things. But these are people who always have to have that rational explanation. They cannot hear something that may not be what they've always heard. That's the religious group in this world. You know... Stand up for Jesus. Couldn't hear it for the first verse. You know, my, 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 my hardness kicked in. No, this is not the way that goes. <laughs> but when you begin to listen and you begin to open and you begin to hear, something changes. But these are those people who say absolutely not. There is no way that that could be true. So when Jesus was preaching these things, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're going, no. No. That's not what God said. That's not what the law says. No. And so they've hardened their hearts. They're the people that are on the path and they can't hear the word. They're the individuals who've decided beforehand that they will not be moved. Then you have the rocky ground. The rocky ground are those individuals who get excited about the gospel message but can never apply it to their life. One preacher said that Jesus was talking about people who follow him and believe his message, but for some reason never seem to get around to doing anything about it. It's those individuals who come down the aisle to a heart-tugging invitation and say a prayer, but they never move past that. They say, I'm a Christian, but there's no depth. There's no roots. They haven't changed, and they don't plan on doing so. They're the people who say, well, I've said the prayer, and that's enough. I've got saved. I've got my get out of hell free card. I am good. Some may even begin to wonder if they really ever believed because their Christianity is name only. Their Christianity is one that doesn't visit the sick. It doesn't help the poor. It doesn't follow where God leads. It just exists. Their life doesn't change. They don't change their behaviors. They don't give up the things that they're not supposed to do. They don't spend the time they need to spend doing the things that God has called them to do. They don't put those things where they need to be. They just simply say, I know Jesus and that's it. But the thing is, Jesus says they believe. So if they believe, that means they're His. They simply have a very bad Christianity. Because when the going gets tough, they fall away. When the ends don't meet. When the sickness doesn't get healed. When they lose their job. When their kids misbehave. When every day seems like a Monday. They begin to say, God hasn't done anything for me. So now I won't do anything for him. And without roots, they wither. And they drop. And their faith becomes as if it was not. The rocks. And then you have the thorny ground. The thorny ground are individuals who come to know Christ, but they care more about the world and its opinions than the kingdom of God. Huh. 
These are the materialistic, hedonistic Christians. Have to have the best of everything. I'm going to sow my seed of faith because I know that God wants me to have that Lamborghini that Shiloh keeps talking about. Every car we pass, is that a Lamborghini? No sense it's not. We're in Lapin. <laughs> There's not enough road clearance in Lapin for a Lamborghini. <laughs> for the people who say, I'm, you know, if I just believe hard enough, God's going to give me everything that I need or everything that I want. Everything that my, that my heart dreams about, God's going to give it to me. And it doesn't matter what it is. And it doesn't matter. It's going to, and they never can get to that place where they put their trust in Jesus. They accept him, but they never trust him. They're always looking at the worries of the world. And they're carrying their faith down a river of hopelessness. I need more money. If I just have a little bit more money, things will be okay. Just a little bit more. It doesn't take much. Just a bit. And everything works. It's funny, when, when I talk to the couples looking to get married, and they're telling me how they just know it's easy because she makes X amount and he makes X amount, and when they get together, that money will go together. And I'm like, marriage math doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. You can be making 30000 and she's making 45000 but when y'all come together, you're going to make about 45000 That's all you're going to make. I don't know where the 30000 goes. It's not there anymore. But if we just have a little bit more, they're always concerned about that. Who's going to take care of it if I don't? And some of all of us can fall into that, right? There are things that have to be done, and I need to work at getting those done. And if I don't do it, nobody else is going to do it. I'm probably preaching to myself right now. Maybe those things don't need to get done. Maybe we shouldn't be worried about those things. Maybe it, it, it shouldn't happen that way. I, I have been, I've been struggling with Facebook for the past two weeks and uploads. That just our Bible readings. I have been having to remind myself a Christian for five hours as I wait for the uploads to happen because Facebook just shuts down every time. And last night, I finally found a service where I can upload it to YouTube once and it'll share it over to Facebook. And I was like, I set it up and I walked away. And I walked back there to the kids to get ready for bed because I never get to come to bed time. I hadn't in three weeks. They're looking at me like, what are you doing in here? <laughs> well, it'll either happen or it won't. My hands are out of it now. We have to get to that point where we, we can't be that, that Christian who sits there and says, i got to take care of it because if I don't, it won't ever get done. If I do what God wants, I really can't do what my friends want. Those are those Christians. Oh, my, my friends want me to do all these things, but I know I really need to be doing this. I mean, I know God wants me to, to do the things that he's called me to do, and he wants me to, to, to share him with people, and he wants me to have a good witness, but my friend really wants me to go out tonight and, and part. And they're my best friend. I need to go. Because, you know, what are they going to think? Or the people who think, what my friends or family think about this? They get so caught up with the earthly desires of this world that their faith gets choked out. And their growth is stunted. We've all known those people, right? Those people who begin so excited about Jesus. 
They share it with everyone. I have one young lady in my mind that comes to mind. And she came to know Jesus. She was so excited. And she was sharing it with everybody. And she would go to school and talk about Jesus. And then one day, her friend decided they didn't want to clean their closet anymore. They just wanted to come out. And she began to struggle. Because Brother Troy, you're telling me that my friend is sinning and if they're just she's consistently sinning. There's there's no way that she really has given her life to Jesus and walking with him. And I said, that's exactly what I'm saying. <coughs> that lifestyle is a sin. There, there's no way around it. The Bible calls it sin. And so it's sin. Doesn't mean you don't love her and, and man. I remember heartbreaking conversation, hours of time on the phone, where, where she would call and she would say, Brother Troy, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense that, that they would choose to do that and be made fun of and, and go through all the things they go through because people wouldn't go through that by choice. And I would say, stop. Let me ask you a question. Did you choose to follow Jesus? Well, yes. said, people die every day because of that choice. I said, they would make the choice if they felt strongly enough about it. I said, so that's, that's the argument. But she was so choked about the worries of that. She was so concerned about that worry that to this day, I, I don't think she goes to church anymore. Because the worries of the world choked out of me. They don't ever mature. They stay baby Christians their entire life. And then Jesus gets to the good soil. The good soil are those individuals who are ready, willing, and able to accept Jesus and allow him to transform their life. There are three characteristics of good soil. First, it's cultivated and ready. Good soil does not become good soil by neglect. Good soil is good soil because it's been worked, it's been turned over, and it's been weeded at the very least. Being good soil is not something that happens haphazard. You're not just all of a sudden good soil. It's not that you're like, yep, I'm good soil, and you weren't, and it's, it's, your, it's, it's your fault. No, it is good soil. It's work. It's a purposeful readying and opening of your heart to the good news of the gospel. Good soil also retains that which it receives. It retains seed. It retains water. It retains fertilizer. They stay. They're in the soil. Good soil retains that which it's given. The teaching that it hears, it holds on to. The study it partakes in, it holds on to. The prayer time that it spends, it feeds it. It allows room for roots to be formed. For it to take root and to be where it needs to be. And then good soil reproduces more abundantly than what it receives. This is where evangelism comes in. Not that we're the sower, not that we're giving the seed, but we're the crop. We're the crop that is producing 100 times more than what was sown. 
The seed has to grow in good soil in order to reproduce itself. There is excitement in the good soil. There is urgency in the good soil to share what we've received with others. We, we share it. We want to tell them. We want them to know who Jesus is. Good soil reproduces. It doesn't just sit there. Good soil doesn't just say, well, uh, I've got my crop. I'm good. Good soil wants to reproduce. It wants more. It wants more. It wants more. And we want to share. There is a lost and dying world out there. They're needing a Savior. They're needing to know that Jesus came for them to free them from captivity. To give them a way to go to heaven, but even more importantly, to learn how to live here. To walk in a way that they're not thrown about by the storms of life all the time. The sower, the seeds, and the soils, they're all vital parts here. Because Jesus is the sower. He's sowing his seed, the word of God, into the field of the world. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, what type of soil am I? And I'm past. If I let life harden me to where the, the, the message no longer penetrates, am I rocky soil? Am I a believer in name only? Am I developing my roots? Am I thorny soil? Am I letting the desires of this world be more important to me than trusting in Jesus? Or am I good soul? Am I cultivated? Okay. No matter where you are now, though, you can become good soul. The path can be tilled up. You can remove rocks from the rocky soil to develop roots. You can remove weeds from your garden to make room. Each of these things will make whichever soul you are into good soil. You don't have to stay where you are. That's the gospel message. You don't have to stay where you are. There is room for change. You don't have to stay in a denying place. God can work in your life and change things. The question today is, what is your desire? Where are you at? Will you prepare your heart for Jesus? Because it's not just about salvation. It's not just about being saved and going to heaven. It's about changing the world we live in now. Have you looked at the world outside? I know we want to be like a horse and put blinders on sometimes because looking out there, it's not fun to look at. But we need to know that we're sent into this world. We're sent to take a message they desperately need and if they don't get it, they have no chance of going. Scripture tells us how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. You can ask anybody in my family, my feet are ugly. But if I take the message to Jesus to someone, it changes the way I look to them because they are free. Maybe this morning you have been struggling because you were a soil that you never imagined she would be. Maybe you found yourself hard and you want to be tilled up and you want to be made right again. Maybe you have let the rocks of life just begin to accumulate inside you and you want to begin to pull those out now because you want to be ready and willing to go where God wants you to go. Maybe this morning it's time to weed the garden. Maybe it's time to pull out all those worries. Don't let them choke you anymore. Jesus came so that you can have peace. He didn't say the world's going to be peaceful. He said you can have peace. He said you can have peace no matter what's going on if you just trust in him. It's time to trust in Jesus this morning. But maybe this morning 
You want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to serve the missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. But maybe this morning you don't know Jesus. Maybe you've never taken a step to say, I want to know him. I want to know him. I want to make sure that, that the soil is prepared and I'm ready to go because I want to follow him. Now's the time. Don't let one more day pass by. We're not promised tomorrow. We're promised now. We're promised this minute. Now is the time. You walk down the aisle and say, Brother Troy, I want to know Jesus and we'll go from there. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to him. Would you pray? Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you. We praise you for your blessings. 